Welcome to the Habits and Hustle podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. All right, so welcome to Habits and Hustle. We have, not only do we have Sharon Shooter, right? Yes, please. Who's Shooter. A, Shooter. Exactly. From, oh, she's founder of O. Oh, Oh my beauty! Oh, beauty. Yes, I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> it's okay. And we have her guest dog with us as well. What's his name? Leo, the CEO. Oh, wow. so he's the boss around here. Oh. So uh, I've got to behave. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I've never done like a podcast on a treadmill with a dog. With a dog. With well, a dog. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's life. That's life with Sharon and I'm a beauty. Anything can happen. Uh, We're turn up with a dog, crump on your treadmill. You never know where this is going to go. Let's absolutely see. <laughs> not. There's a first time for everything. Exactly. Right? right. Exactly. So we could have a treadmill party here. You never know how this is going to go. We are having a treadmill party. Yes, you, exactly. me and the dog. And, and Leo. Exactly. And Leo. All exactly. right. So hopefully he doesn't fall off the treadmill. I don't want to be liable <laughs> for anything, you know? <laughs> But, um, well, let's start. So basically, you have uh, a beauty line that yes. has a, a lot of SKUs, 100. 108. That's a lot of SKUs. Yeah, that's a lot. But I think for me, it was really important because the reason I set up on my beauty was to make sure that everybody felt included. And it was so important to me to go out with an assortment where everybody could find something for them. Right. Like, even besides, you know, foundation, 51 shades, I wanted to make sure... It was 51 the, shades. 51 of shades of foundation. Um, How do you even, like... That's that's A. Not only is it a ton yes. of work to even yes. do that, that to yes, basically yes, figure out those the, the palettes of that. Yes. But... That's a lot for production. It is a lot. And a lot of inventory, too. <laughs> let's not even let's talk about that part. Right. Um, but it was so important to me. You know, that's why I came out to do what I'm doing, because brands always seem to put profit or ease before what's right. Mm-hmm. And what's right is every woman and man, regardless of who you are, regardless of your race, should be able to walk into any beauty hall and find something for yourself. I think beauty is such a basic want. It's not even a need. You know, we don't need lipsticks. We get lipsticks because we want to wear a lipstick. Right, right. Imagine walking to a store. Um, and this is the experience of most women of color. You walk into a store and you go, Actually, the first question we ask is, do you have anything for people with my skin? And you think that's a crazy question, but the crazier part is most times is "Mm, not really. Um, And so for me, it was really important to get out there with a brand that thought about everybody. And even from our foundation, it just wasn't about shades. Hey, I'm doing a 51 shade. It was the first time anybody actually thought that maybe the things that light skin needs are completely different to the needs of deeper skin. And even as the color profile changes, the way the skin reacts completely changes. So for the first time, we actually created six custom formulas. So each skin color group has a dedicated formula for them. So it was really rebellious, but it's so much common sense. Like at the end of the day, you know, our, our skin type and the skin color really impacts you know, the way our skin behaves, the way it reacts to the sun and the problems we're either trying to conceal or fix. So yes. it's, it was so interesting, but it's been, uh, wasn't easy getting out there, but it's, it's been so beautiful. Like, well, you don't, okay. So do you, so you don't cater for one particular skin type. Then. Everybody. So it could be for people who are African-American, for white people, for both. Everybody. See, exactly. that's what I find interesting because yes. like you were saying, I think a lot of times people 
are catering for a niche market, yes. not over across the board. Yes, yes. I think it's just it's silly, right? I think that's not my mission. My mission right. is, I, you know, because my experience as a woman was that, where I would go to different stores and everybody didn't have something, you right. know, like even as a, two years ago, I would walk into a department store. I was working for brands. I couldn't use 95% of their products. Can I, we even like talk about it. that? No, I and believe so it. I believe it. It would be crazy for me to then go, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create my own brand, but I'm only going to cater for people who look like me. I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm continuing the problem right. as opposed to being part of the solution. And I'm here to be part of the solution. First of all, giving my unique insight on people of color that brands seem to not understand because apparently we appeared. We right. didn't exist before. <laughs> there just came a point in time where we just came to planet Earth and everyone was like, what do we do with this skin, right? right, right. But also addressing, so when we're talking about beauty and lack of inclusivity, we're not just talking about people of color. We're talking about even people who are very fair-skinned. Mm -hmm. The industry is like, bow, bow. Mm -hmm. Nothing for here. Try again later. Or they give you three different, they say medium, light, the, or dark. Uh -huh, yeah, exactly. It. And that's, then like there's nothing in between. Nothing in between. Right. And then you even have like this huge population of women who are fair skin, but warm undertone. You know, Latinas, mm -hmm. Arabs, um, a lot of mixed race kids, right? Mm -hmm. They're in this bucket where the skin's fair, mm -hmm. but they're quite, the undertone is quite apricot, it's quite warm. Bow, bow. No, the industry apparently, if you're fair, you have to be pink. So right. everything also, it's, it's like not just catering for one spectrum, it's for everybody. Um, and that was what was important to me. So then how do you like, that's a lot of funding, right? Because like it's easy to, right? <laughs> yes, it's, please. It's, right? Yes. It's not easy on a good day yes. to even get one skew out in the yes. marketplace. Uh -huh. But uh, like when you started, right? Yes. Okay, so you had them, like we'll talk, we'll like, touch yes. upon the fact that yes. your background came from your head of operations for yes. Benefit, Benefit Cosmetics, Cosmetics yes. which is a big uh, cosmetic line for people yes. who don't know. Uh, you were at L'Oreal, you were yes. at Revlon. Um, you have a lot of background in that world. A lot of background in beauty. Yes. A lot of in beauty. Yes. But when you start your own brand, like it's very, very difficult. So like, tell me, mm -hmm. like, talk about the journey. Mm -hmm. How did you go from working for a big brand yes. to then starting your own brand? Yes. So I was working for a big brand and, you know, it was great. It was amazing, amazing people. But I think when you're at a point where you're more frustrated about what you do yeah. than happy, it tells you you need to change. And at that point in time, I had to pinpoint. For me, I turned 30 and the world just changed for me. Before 30, my life was all about the next big job. Mm -hmm. You know, I was conscious that, hey, I'm a woman of color. I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to, you know, like, oh, my God, I have to be here. I have to be in that room. Almost like validation. Mm -hmm. that That's how my validation came through to feel like I was worthy to be a global citizen or participate in the conversation was I had to get the executive job. I had to do this and I right. had to do that. For a well-known brand. For a well-known brand. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. So that was all that mattered to me. So even when I was within these brands and they weren't being diverse, you know, it was oh, whatever. And I can't change the world. Mm, that's somebody else's problem. Right. I'm just getting my bag, honey. You know what I mean? Like that. That's what I was here. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm getting that bag. You, you fix the world. But you know, um, and priorities. I, All about priorities. It was like, priorities. Right? Like right. at the end of the day, like you look at it. I'm, I'm a girl from Nigeria. You know, I even joke with people. I'm like, I'm not even a girl from the posh part of Nigeria. People know about Lagos. I'm from Wari. Like it's like on the other side of the country. <laughs> 
literally <laughs> like, and I still have friends who knew me from when I was younger. From time to time, they would just ping me all these pigeon English or slang words on, on Instagram and I would burst out laughing. So it's really good. Everybody keeps you grounded. They're going like, don't forget, 100%. you're from Worry, you gotta like represent. And uh, Well, you brought your whole, your, your tribe with you I here. I brought my tribe, that's the joke. I, I, no, I was laughing. First of all, you walk in, there's like 11 people with you. There, of and, course. And, and dogs and kids on top of it. Everything, like all are welcome to our tribe. And like, you know, being Nigeria, we're very rooted in community, in family. Right. You know, we say it takes a village to raise a child. If you have a baby in Nigeria, you don't even touch your own child for about three, four months. Is oh, that yeah, right? No, you don't. No, no, no. Because your mom comes through, your aunties, like your house is like a whole village of itself. Right. And they put you in a pamper room, which means they, they like make sure that you recover from the trauma. So you can't wow. be doing that whilst like breastfeeding. So they only bring the child to you for like breast milk. And after that, like your life is sorted. So we have a sort of different kind of approach as a, as a, almost as a tribe and right. as a community. And it's the joke there that, you know, how a lot of like Western neighborhoods want to keep you super Caucasian. <laughs> and then, you know, you got this Nigerian who just bought a house. <laughs> and then they're like, next thing you know, grandma's turned up. Everybody's turned up for the weekend and doesn't leave for five years. Uh, and then the neighborhood is overrun. And I love it. That's like the beauty of being like, like right. I'm about to go through that. I just got a place in LA. And like, everybody's like, oh, who's living there? I'm like, me and Leo. And then just laughing, giggling in the back of my head, going like, and a whole tribe of people. Right, uh, right so. exactly. Which they'll find out pretty soon. <laughs> they're right. gonna find out. So, um, so for me, you know, the early part of my career was all about the next big job. Mm -hmm. You know, I was conscious. I had to work harder than everybody else. You know, and also bearing that weight, knowing that for most jobs I did, I was the first one of color to do it. Right. Right. And you sort of oh. understand that if I screw this up they sort of somehow will go like, oh, we hired a woman of color before it didn't work out. Right. So it reflects on your entire race, whereas another person can do that job and not do it well, and another girl or boy will be in the job right. the next day. It's just so, like insert next person. Insert next person. Yeah, but when you're true. a person of color or you're female, because, I mean, there's the part of being female right. um, in a corporation, which is, first, you have to prove yourself that you're not going to cry when things go bad right. or when you have your emotions in control, your husband or boyfriend doesn't control your movements or whatever. Yeah. So you have that pressure and then you have the added pressure of being a woman of color. Yeah. And so for me, in the earlier part of my life, it was just about breaking those boundaries, doing this and doing that. And then I turned 30 and my life just sort of was different. I started questioning, why do I do what I do? Why am I with a brand that doesn't really care about people like me? Like you may say you care about me. But you can't care about me if you don't care about my mother, if you don't care about my sister. You know, I'm sitting in these rooms having the nicest, ah, posh conversations. Where is the other person of color? Right. You know, they don't exist here. And it was almost like the, the attitude of a lot of like book corporations and society at high level is almost like, oh, yeah, the others are not cool, but you're cool. You know, somehow mm -hmm. you've managed to assimilate enough to be cool. Right. You that broke never, through to assimilate. You broke through and now you've almost, and, and this is also what used to um, hinder a lot of people of color because they would start fighting each other to make sure they're the only one in that room because it was almost that pressure that they spot for only one person. Right. You know what I mean? I, I understand, yes. The I Tara Banks, Naomi situation, you know, where it's like... That's true. I see that because it's like they feel like subconsciously they feel that there's only... There's only that token spot for There's one, one token person. Spot. Exactly. And yeah. you've occupied it. You've worked so hard to be the cool one enough to take that spot. And so I got to that point in life where I was just like, instead seeing that, why am I the only person in this room? Okay, there was something fundamentally wrong if I'm the only person in this room. And then more than that, thinking, 
I am cautious now about the air that I breathe and actually almost being worth breathing the air that I breathe. What, you know, if I leave this earth and all the other girls behind me have the same experience as I did, mm -hmm. I have failed my ancestors who worked so hard to even get to the point where I can be like, even here with you guys on this treadmill, remember there was a time I couldn't, we couldn't even do that That's stuff. Right. You know, we, See, yeah. we must not forget. And so they worked and they sacrificed and they didn't care about money to make sure that I have the freedoms that I have today. And I want to make sure that I am part of a solution that by the next generation and the generation after, this will just be, you know, as silly as it sounds to me when people are like, oh, I go to South Africa and they show you, oh, there was a time there was a sign that color's not allowed. And you're like, really? It's so foreign to me. Right. And I want it to be foreign to any other person to go, you know, I'm that grumpy grandma going, huh, well, in my time, I couldn't find foundations. You know, I used to walk around looking green, you know, and, 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 the, and all these young girls are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You should stop being grumpy. That's like my dream for retirement and know that I've done something in my life. So I got to that point in time and I decided, okay, it's time to stop, you know, whinging about problems. I'll come back home and I'll offload and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I encountered the thing that every female encounters and then even more a woman of color where you go, okay, I want to do something about it. I'm going to leave corporate and set up my brand. And then the nagging voice that says you can't. Who are you? Mm -hmm. How dare you? You know, right. beauty is an industry dominated by French male. Like, it's not even like, it's a French boys club. And it's like, what do you think you know that will allow you compete with L'Oreal Lauder? You're within these companies. You know how much they spend. You're never going to have that amount of money to right. go shell out on the brand. And, and then, by the way, let me say, you're also selling or you're trying to get money from people who don't even wear your product they don't, or don't they, understand they it. They don't understand you. Right. So you go to a venture meeting, it's only boys. I know. And so, well, a lot of times, you're right. But wait, you said something else. I just, I, I didn't want to um, gloss over it because yes. I think a very interesting point, which was that people who are minorities are very can be very competitive with each other. Yes, because of that one spot. Because of the one spot. I think that that's what I. That's interesting that you say yes. that. Like that's very like an authentic thing to say because I don't think most people would ever say that. No, you know? yeah. and it's probably true, right? It's not probably true. It's one hundred percent true. That, because that's true. Because look how women are. Women are very. People don't want to say it now, but women are very competitive women with each other. Fight each other, right? The, I've had more support from. Caucasian males, right. <laughs> like even in that which segment. is the irony. But you say you're having pro you have problems in some ways, exactly. But also, it's sometimes easier to navigate through because, like women, first of all, once again, it's the same mindset where you know. One, I think women also were organically raised to compete with each other because yeah. you're organically raised to be so focused on getting married, finding the guy, being proposed to. You, you, you're pre-programmed to be chosen. And, you know, you don't choose, you get chosen, everything we do, we get chosen. And it's even why at work, we don't rise up very quickly because we wait till we're offered. You know, we always want to be chosen. We're afraid of rejection. So we always need to sort of stand out to be chosen, right? So That's to be chosen, true. you have to compete with each other so that you stand up high enough and somebody can go, I want that one. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so programmed in us and it's so hard for us to shake. Even yeah. women who are conscious about, I want to be supportive. And you see, you start doing well, and you start seeing them side eyeing you, going like, "I'm happy for you." Uh, you know, I, I, that's why I think that's brilliant that you you actually put some like light on that because yes. I think that's a hundred percent true. And people gloss over it or they yes. don't want to talk about it because it's not PC. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like all, and then also you have to be someone who doesn't you cha you have to be someone who champions women yes. and not even put that out there in the universe. Yes. When the quite irony is like you're saying. 
I think it's basically part of sometimes our human nature. It is. And we have to fight against that human we nature. We have to be conscious of it. Yeah. And it's part of our upbringing and the narrative, you know. Because I, the chosen thing is so exactly. right it's, on. It's really how we're raised. So mm-hmm. we're literally raised to compete with each other, you know. And so that's what we do. The same thing as men are raised to be aggressive at work and, you know, do whatever to get the money so yeah. they can get the girl so they can choose the girl. Whereas we're <laughs> trained to do enough so you can stand on enough so to that you're chosen. chosen, right? So it's the power kind of movement that comes out of there which then makes us super like sometimes we can be catty or fight each mm-hmm. other um and we bring that to the corporate life too like you know you have women who make it to the top and make it a point to make sure no woman gets there because it somehow validates them the mm-hmm. fact they can say i'm the only woman to have done that and that was my fundamental shift in mentality i used to think that was prestige i used to think that was something we're proud of i am the only woman or i'm the only woman of color okay that's not a pride. That is a reflection on how bad the world is right now. So what am I going to do about it to make sure we're not having onlys? You know, I still see uh, as of last year, the statistics was there was only 16 women of color in America that have raised over $1.5 million. You think 1. about $1.5 million to fund a business. And I read that and I'm hoping that is the wrong data and it's yeah. like fake news or something, yeah, but yeah. it was appalling. But we do know that this is fact, like only 0.01% of every dollar or cent in every dollar that goes out in funding goes out to a woman of color. Yet women of color are the fastest growing set of entrepreneurs in America. And it's just mental. So firstly, you have a bubble where not enough money goes to women, full stop. Mm-hmm. And then you then add the color onto it. And then now you're in a super niche spot, you know, for many reasons. One of the reasons you know, we talked about early on where, you know, you walk into a venture meeting to present and you're usually confronted with, you know, very Caucasian men yeah. who are right there. Very Caucasian. Very Caucasian men. Caucasian men, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and usually middle-aged. Yeah. So you're sitting there now telling them about, oh, you know, liberation, you know, Hakuna Matata, <laughs> and then, you know, all this. Stuff. We got, Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> and we're going to be singing Kumbaya as a free world, and they're staring at you going, like, through lipsticks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, right. it's, like, it's really crazy. And, you know, a lot of, I mean, there like this bunch of, like, kids who just came out of college and just raised $100 million, Right. And they were these posh kids from Beverly Hills. But people would throw that money at you. Because which, for which company? Are you just talking in general? For a fund. Oh, um, for they, a- were, they were starting a fund for themselves. And they blew everybody's money within like two years, right? And That happens, that happens more than people like to think. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, and and nobody, like, I'm sure they'll be out there raising more money and everyone will still give it to them. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, and it happens so much because especially when you're early stage, people are believing in you. Right. It's you have a product. Right. Like, literally, your product hasn't launched. So what are you selling to me? There's no numbers. There's no data. Um, so it's literally, that's why they call it rounds for friends, fools, and family. For friends, fools, and family? <laughs> friends, fools, and family. Because it's either your family who are like... I've, I've heard friends and family, but no, never no. friends, fools, There's and family. There's a fool, because like... <laughs> that's great. Because they have like, to be stupid enough to like go like, I want to give somebody money yeah, that I don't great. know. Um, just because they spoke to me for an hour or two and I believe in them. Right. Now, guys have it easier, especially when you're of a certain race, because you probably played lacrosse together. You guys, when your dads went to the same school together, you guys played golf together. So there is that kind of shared interest. You're probably pitching an idea that's all around technology. And the guys have, I understand that problem. 
Okay, enter a girl. We did not play lacrosse together, definitely. Right. Uh, we have no shared interests. Absolutely not. I come from a completely different culture and background from you. Right. So now the conversation is a super functional level. There is no emotion in there. And then on top of that, I'm selling lipsticks. It's like, what is so different about lipsticks? Right. Like, and foundations. Walking to Sephora, like it's a, like beauty is saturated. And right now, beauty is a market for influencers. All the biggest brands are influencer-backed, you know, from Pat McGrath to Fenty Beauty with Rihanna, with Kylie Cosmetics to Huda Beauty. It's like now people get famous and make House of Gaga, Lady Gaga just launched, you know. So now beauty is just trading off fame, you yeah, know. How do you even compete with that? That's exactly a great yes. point. Yes. Because you're right, they come, the, all the brands that I'm even like familiar with, the new yes. ones, mm -hmm. are all backed by massive influencers. It's Kylie nice. Beauty, Fenty exactly. Beauty. So all what do you do? Are. But that's where like for me, it was like all this is about one person, all this about fame, all this about this, almost like superficiality, right? I wanted to start a movement. I wanted to start a movement that was real, a movement for everybody who's felt left out, like myself, for whatever reason. I felt left out because I'm female and I'm black. For other people, it's probably because of who they choose to love, the size of them. Like beauty doesn't just discriminate against people based on race. It has a right. long list of things that it goes like, mm, not allowed. And I wanted to create a community that was real, that the core of it wasn't because this was trendy or because somebody was famous. It's bringing people together on issues that we all feel deeply. Um, and like that, I, I'm sorry to yes, interrupt you, no, no, but no, how, yes. how do you do that when yes. you're competing with, you know, like Kylie has 140 million people yes. on Instagram, yes. Rihanna, who's the biggest pop star in the world, yes. people like that who Unfortunately, like it's a numbers thing, right? It's a numbers like, thing. And those exactly. are the people who are buying the company. And exactly. that's sort of buying the, the products. Exactly. But at the same time, like the good thing with beauty is nobody's loyal to one brand. Everybody moves around to different brands for how you make them feel. Right. They buy fancy because they want to be part of Rihanna's army and part of Rihanna's navy. And they come to us because we talk about authenticity and self-love. When you come into our tribe, we challenge you to look at yourself and be real and love yourself for who you are. So people who come to us and are attracted to us and are attracted to our tribe actually come first for our message. And it's not just preaching about inclusivity. And I tell people there's a difference between tolerance and inclusivity. And even beauty brands, you know, all oh, 100 shades of foundation, that's tolerance. You're cognizant now that I exist and that if you release 12 shades, you're going to get trolled on the internet because <laughs> the beauty community are getting pricey. I was going to say, say, did you pick the 51 shades to be kind of like cheeky with the movie 51 shades? Is that kind of like how it happened? Like no. you didn't go 50 shades, you didn't go 52. Exactly, because I wasn't counting numbers. That was the truth. I was creating shades that were needed. And so when I started, I had over 60 shades and then started really calling back in to go, okay, these two are so similar. Like, you but know. I, I, I think that was a great, a brilliant marketing. Yeah. A, strategy if that's what you did but yes oh no like literally i just like created shades and then what when it got to the point where right. we could not call any further this is it it's on 51 because i remember going to alter and they were like why not 50 just delete one shade i'm like because it's needed yeah, <laughs> like exactly. you know who one am more. i gonna cut out exactly like do i does that person now not matter you know but for them it was just an even number it was just like just making it even 50 like right. why 51 and i was like because it's 51 because now you always have to have one random bottle of foundation on its own so it was like oh would you mind making it even i was like no no no, i'm not corporate tick box in here i'm actually just creating what people actually need wasn't necessary exactly and so i think for that's what's great about our tribe it's not only you coming in finding like you know incredible like i mean our foundation had never been done before it was truly revolutionary um you know the pigment in our palette are unbelievable when i develop products and i test products if it doesn't work on any woman regardless of her skin type or her skin color, it doesn't make the cut. 
So they're ranges that people are confident they can find their home in. And I think, you know, the, the attraction to uh, Armour Beauty is in two parts. One, the products are phenomenal, but the biggest thing that draws people in is the relatability because it's real. And I think in the world with so much fake and you have, like with fake, you get so much masses and everything. People are a bit fatigued with that at the moment. Yeah, people, people are love authenticity real. Exactly, they people are coming back to basic. And now what we forget is that it's, sometimes it's the same person. Well, I would think that people have brand loyalty to some extent, but yes. but, but they they have like the, the the foundation they always love, exactly. the lipstick that they love, and they could they can cross pollinate with brands. Exactly. But at the end of the day, what would you say the one? I mean, I would think that people are going to buy makeup not just on the messaging, but if yes. the price point's right, if mm-hmm. the color, if it looks good on them. Yes. Like at the end of the day, don't those two things trump? Everything? You know, in beauty, actually, like if you're if you're a functional brand, so let me take an example. MAC is a functional brand. Right, okay. When you say functional brand, for functional makeup. brand, you make a functional connection with okay. them. You go to MAC because I want to get a foundation right. and I want to get a lipstick. Okay. There is no big story behind it. People don't even know the origin of MAC or that it's a right, Canadian brand or there is nothing to right. it. It's a, this big brand that we provide you great quality products and that's what people buy into. Right. And then you have a second set of brands where people come to you first because of who you are. And I'll give you an example of that. Benefit Cosmetics do a great job at that. Who is that? Benefit Cosmetics oh, that I work yeah, for. Right. I mean, the actual products themselves, I mean, we had three shades of concealer for the longest time, but we were a $1.4 billion business because oh. people loved how Benefit made them feel. It was pink. It was girly. It was fun. It was sassy. You know, the, the commercials for it, they had girls with the tits out, you know. Yeah. They really rebelled against all the rules. So people came to Benefit first for the pink and the messaging right. and this duality of bold and girly. Um, the branding was on point. For the identity. Yeah. And that's why, you know, for me, when you build a brand, it is more powerful to build a brand that people come to because of an emotional connection. Because a functional connection, when a better product comes out, they will go and buy it. Mm-hmm. When people are emotionally invested and connected to you, um, there's a saying that I love, that people buy brands not because of what the brand says, but what the brand says about them. Mm-hmm. That's why we spend money on the Birkin. There is no, like, it's a great quality bag, but I'm sure you can buy it for a lot cheaper. Right. But people want to carry that Croc or that Himalayan Birkin because it says, huh, girl. It says something about you. You said something. Like, you can't try me. Like, don't even come my way because I'm super fabulous, right? Right. It's, and, a, it's a statement. It's a statement. And right. that's where the pricing conversation comes in. Right. What statement? Why are people buying Tom Ford? Why are people buying Tom Ford lipstick? This is a fashion designer. What does he know about making lipsticks, right? Mm-hmm. But it's about how it makes him feel. It's that gold packaging. It's the Pat McGraw uh, eyeshadow palette. It's $125. But people want that because you flick it out and he says, you're dope. You know yeah. you know what you're doing. You're not a novice makeup by Maybelline. You know, that's for the teenage girls. Right, you right, know? right. <laughs> so it's a, it's a message. So that's why... It's, but that's why the Fenty brand and that's yes. why the Kylie brand does yes. so well. It's like multi-billion dollar, you know, each one of them. Exactly. Because people buy into the celebrity aspiration. That's why influencer brands are doing well because right. it's for the first time they can get a piece of a person. You know, they want to believe that Rihanna is actually in the lab creating this lipsticks herself. You know, yes, that's I what agree. the person buying Fenty wants to believe. Like they, you can tell them from now to never that it's some random chick who's actually making right. this product. And, and she bases a licensing deal of her name and she's making a, a ton of money based on using, you know, the likeness of her name. Exactly. But and people, I don't, like, people don't care. They don't, they don't yeah. care. Exactly. They don't even want to know that. They and even with Rihanna, she's actually even more involved than a lot of people are. I mean, credit to that girl. She 
She gets on those phone calls. She sees the product. Oh, wow. Good. No, she got credit to her. She's very, very involved in the brand, but still, she's not the one like sitting down, formulating, <laughs> doing. So people want to. Are believe. you sitting down formulating though? <laughs> I do actually. Yeah, I do. I create all my. I do don't all don't my you products. have to have like a like a like some kind of like background in uh, like chemistry to understand that stuff? Well, though? beauty. There's two sides to beauty, right? Okay. Um, and that's why beauty is a very complicated industry, right? It's not like fashion where you can just get fabric and you can sew it and put a piece by, all, all by okay. yourself, right? Beauty is a marriage between science and art, hardcore science mm. and art. And those two things don't come together in that the chemist who's actually mixing the things in a lab does not care about lipsticks. Absolutely. Right. Like they just turned on by the fact that, oh my God, that red is spot on, you yeah. know, like, oh, I could remove this chemical. So where you work is you work with great scientists, you guide them in, into what you want, because for you, you have the vision, you know, I want this texture, I want this efficacy. Um, so you have to have the capacity to understand and understand yeah. chemicals because, you know, you're directing someone in the lab, they're a chemist, they don't care about the outcome of what's going on. So you right. have to go, for instance, to know, okay, titanium dioxide is a white sheet. If I put it in this makeup, this would be the outcome because you have to guide them to go, how about you drop titanium dioxide by 2%, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a basic understanding of not necessarily chemistry, but what ingredients do, or what the key ingredients doing what. It's the mm -hmm. same thing like if you're trying to create clean beauty, you have to guide them. Mm -hmm. um, and then they'll guide you back to actually go, okay, these are the substitutions that we can use. So they're smarter than you and they can tell you what's possible, but you have to have the head to grasp it back. And right. that's why I go like, it's this marriage between arts because you don't want to create a beautiful color palette that is stunning. But at the same time, to create a really good red, you have to put lake. Lake is not allowed by the FDA. This is the kind of stuff you need to know before you start doing right. because the person in chemist is not going to tell you. He's just going to mix the palette and right. give it back to you. So you have to be knowledgeable. You have to be knowledgeable, yeah. which was the benefit I had. Right, coming from a background. And coming from yeah. a background. It's also why when people set up new beauty brands, they don't launch 108 products because simply they just can't do that. So how did you, okay, so let's go back. So how yes. did you do it? Like, okay. we were like, like, so how did you do it? And who, and how much money yes. did you initially raise? Yeah, so firstly, how I did it was a lot of craziness. So firstly, do craziness to finally go, okay, I'm done, I quit my job. Right. Um, and, and have that final just leap of faith. And um, it was two years ago. It was two years ago. I was not, a, I knew I was not going to be one of those people who was working and doing, I'm mean, either in or out. Like, yeah. And so I had to cut, draw a line in the sand. I moved countries. So I was in a whole new location and a whole new environment. Where were you? London. And then so I, you developed this in London. Exactly. Okay. And then I started splitting my time at the time between London and New York. Mm -hmm. um, I would come to New York to do all my American business and then go back to London. Um, and so that was amazing. For the longest time, I only took investment in February. So I self-funded it until at the time that my investors came in, I had purchase orders from the retailers. I had fully finished product. I had pretty much, I, I was like six, seven weeks to launch was when I finally got investors so into the business. So you did it by yourself? Yeah, exactly. And I was- How? Well, one, sitting on my, in my sofa with pajamas, but two, yeah. before doing this, I knew I had to save. It was sort of my thing. I knew that I would have to, it's a crazy idea. It's not an idea that is um, easily adaptable to actually go to somebody and say, I want to launch a brand. I'm going to launch you know, a big assortment. And then also, at the time, I knew I wanted to go into retail. I didn't know they would take me straight away because you never know. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it, it would be, it's something that, it, it's a harder sell. It's beauty. It's why you're different, you know. And, right. and a lot of my elements are things that are sort of, you have to feel it to understand. It's hard to just, especially when you talk to numbers people, to mm -hmm. quantify what is the, you know, you can quantify the, the value of this category. You can quantify the spend of people of color that has been un, uh, um, underserved. You can quantify the shift in the global population. What you can't quantify is why should they believe you versus every other mm -hmm. person?
who's trying to get their money, right? And for me, it was complex because it was all these different elements. It was the brand story. It was, you know, the mood and the feel and the vibe. So when I was finally ready to present it, it was almost in a fully finished form. They could see the campaign. They could see the visuals. You know, when you tell somebody at the start, I'm going to go to Lagos to shoot, they're like, she's just trying to get a trip back home on our dime. You know what I mean? Like, she's yes. just trying to take her model friends down to Lagos. But now they could see this powerful visuals. They, and they got it. Like, when you, like, even when we launched, we only had to send one picture out to the market and people were like, gotcha. I know really? exactly what you're talking about. More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsor. So... If you're anything like me, multitasking is a total must in your life. Uh, being a working mom and doing so many things at once, I don't have time to sit down and read a book, which is why I love Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. I can listen to them while I'm in the gym, shopping, driving, traveling, whatever. I've been able to consume more information using Audible than I would ever have otherwise. So... Right now, actually, I think I just downloaded Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power, which I've been trying to like read forever, and now I could just listen. For a 30-day free trial of Audible, you can choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash habits and hustle or text habits and hustle to 500-500. So if you want to try Audible for free for 30 days, listen to one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Go to audible.com slash habits and hustle or text habits and hustle to 500 slash 500. I promise you, once you go Audible, you don't go back. And now to our next sponsor. So if you're like me guys and suffer from awful allergies, then I got the solution for you. It's the Molecule Air Purifier. It has been a serious game changer for my life because I can actually breathe again and sleep again. I got mine maybe three and a half weeks ago, and it's been the easiest thing to use, by the way. It's basically take it out of the box and plug it in. Super easy, and it's actually quite cute. I have the mini, and it really works to clean and detoxify all the air. It destroys the pollutants at a molecular level, which is something that I don't think anything else on the marketplace does. So if you really want to like help with your asthma, air quality, allergies, definitely try this. So for 10% off your first air purifier, you can visit molecule.com and enter hustle at checkout. So if you want to try this and change your life, Go to Molecule.com, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and enter HUSTLE at checkout for 10% off your first air purifier. So wait, how much money of your own did you put into yes. it at the beginning? So I put about almost 800000 Wow, you saved um, that much money. Well, you know, a girl can like scrimp and... A <laughs> 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 girl was on like chicken soup for a while. Um, That's amazing. No, but, but literally like the, the truth was that I put in... I had underestimated because when you work with corporate, <laughs> you sort of like, you know how to do a lot of things. Raising money is not one of them. Right. Because you have a fancy budget meeting once a year, you present and you right. like all, you have arguments and then money magically appears in the account. So you don't actually learn what is the difference between seed, series A, series B, series C, right. what's a convertible note. We well, don't is, know what you don't know. It's not your background. It's not your background. Right. And so I underestimated it. I was like, I'm going to like get the retailers and all of this and then people are going to throw money at me. Right. <laughs> people always overestimate. They mess up, not uh, always, but a lot of times they... 
the ease of how how hard it is uh, to it actually is get money. Hard. You're talking to finance people. They don't like risk, and you know people would rather invest in an early stage business. Fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. I was asking at the time for two and a half million dollars. Right. So wait. So you yeah. So you put eight hundred thousand of your own money. In, yes. And that was seven weeks before launch. At, at that point in right, time. At that right? time. And then you said, okay, I need more money. What was the I was money for? for? I wanted two and a half million. For so what, I was though, like, to, to actually then launch inventory or for inventory. Is okay. two, was about almost $2.3 million of stock. I mean, we're talking 108 SKUs, know, right? A minimum order quantities from factories is 5,000 per piece. And you should talk, you should touch upon the fact that yes. like that kind of quantity and inventory can also bankrupt you. It is terrible. Right? Like I would not advise anybody like, you know, My case is such a unique case study. Like, it's not something that people should use as a benchmark to go like, I want to start big because, you know, what they have to remember, it took me over a decade of playing with other people's money mm-hmm. to be able to do what I'm doing right now. Because sometimes people are like, oh, and it only took you like a year and a half to make it. And then look at the traction. It's like, no, no, no. An overnight success takes sometimes over a decade to practice. Not sometimes, almost always. Exactly. <laughs> with, 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 with like other people's money and get increasingly better at it and make mistakes with other people's money, you know? Um, so it was very, very, it's a very, going into retail straight away is crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's what investors don't like because here's the truth. If I launched a brand online only, mm-hmm. and it cost me $100,000 to do that, right? If in six, seven months, the brand was going really well, they will be very happy to give you money because it's mm-hmm. tried, it's tested, they can see the traction. Um, same thing, if you went to Ulta and they put you just in their .com, which means that it's not a lot of capital from your end required because mm-hmm. it's just the online. If you're doing well online, guess what? After a year, you're going to get rolled out into stores. Mm-hmm. So investors prefer you to do this right. because the it's risk safer. is lower. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually test your model properly, learn all the kinks, and then launch big. For me, I knew timing was of the essence. I knew that what I had and what was unique about mine was a messaging, which means that if you do it small, somebody's going to come and copy it. That's why I have worked enough with big brands. They got their hands on the pulse. They will copy that. They have the money. They have the resources. And you've just giving them the answer. This girl that you're a tiny little person on e-commerce trying to sell this unique custom form foundation formulation, oh, Clinique will launch it like that in six months because this is perfect to the Clinique brand that it's about. Yeah, I'm not saying that they, they, they are no, doing it, by the way. I'm just I'm as an example, you right? You're, yeah, you're, you're exactly, right Exactly, like they're a brand that's all about skincare and then they have beauty. So it makes sense for them to like be the ones who came up with this hybrid idea of a foundation that is skincare, it's makeup, it's custom made for you. I mean, they just did the clinic ID, which is like, you know, skincare that for the first time you could actually choose what was relevant to your skin type. Mm. So I knew if I just was starting this on my laptop at home, a bigger brand would take that copy, do it big, and then I have no business because it's dead. Um, and so I decided that how do you start a movement? How do you start a rebellion? You don't whisper. You take a big gramophone, you stand on the highest podium that you can, and you scream on the top of your lungs. And that was exactly my business strategy, that I am going to start a movement. I am going to create a movement of, you know, that is so welcoming of all the weirdos, everybody the beauty said, you're not enough. And that's what I needed to do. I needed the platform to stand without my gramophone and scream on the top of my lungs and go, if you're dissatisfied, if you're unhappy, if you've ever felt left out, if you felt not enough, come here. You're enough here and you're enough in my world. And to do that requires a lot of money. Uh, (laughs) A lot of money. And, um, And, you know, so trying to convince people 
hey give me so everybody will at the start it was like great concept we love it we will come after six months once you launch okay so how am i going to launch <laughs> right if everybody wants to come post-launch because right. is it the chicken or that you can't go anywhere without the you know like one or the other exactly. people don't want to invest until you have someone else to invest so exactly you get the first one. exactly so when i first started this journey i didn't think i would spend that much of my own money to be honest so just letting everybody who's listening to this know there is no life of entrepreneurship it just happens whatever happens happens <laughs> and you just got to keep the wheel going <laughs> so i did not expect to spend yeah. that much of my money um we were just you know every day something comes up and you just keep and you have to believe in it enough you know yeah i, I got to the it. point where i'd maxed out everything i had like everything when i mean everything everything was like you know like it was tight i was at a point now where i was trying to sell real estate you know just to you know see if i can salvage some more cash and just you know and wow. and sometimes that's a trap right because if it's a bad business model you've wrecked your whole life on this but for me i could continue because this was beyond money this was i had like a, a message and i had sort of this it was almost it's a purpose driven mission and for that even when i left my my big thing was I have to be prepared to sleep in my car for this. And if I'm not prepared to sleep in my car for this purpose, if I'm just doing this because I want to get rich, then I shouldn't be doing that. I should mm -hmm. just continue working, get a bigger job and a bigger paycheck, right? If I'm doing this is because I truly care and I care about, you know, being part of a solution. And to do that, somebody has to risk getting poor. Somebody has to risk it all. Somebody has to risk all the superficial things that we think are important like my ancestors had to do to make sure I could get here. So I think that always was my compass and my north. Whenever you were at yeah. the point where you go like, okay, Sharon, you probably should stop now. Right. <laughs> you, you know, and people around you are like, we're very worried. Like, but it's infectious. I guess just by you saying this to me right now, yes. I feel your passion. I feel like the, like the energy and like the authenticity of it where I'm like, I'll give you some money. You know what I mean? Like, no, because like, you know, like, like you can't fake that, Yeah, no, you know? You and and no. I feel like when yeah. people really know it's coming from like a really, like really real place, authentic yes. place, it's hard not to feel like you, not like not to want to jump on that bandwagon, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. And that's true. And I think even now that we're out there in the marketplace, it's one of the things that the brands are scratching their head for. You know, I mean, they buy my formula to go and try and replicate it. I'm like, yes, that's fine. You know, fla uh, you know, I'm, I'm flattered about that. But what they can't get their hand on is how do you find, how do you replicate a person who really cares? You can't. That's why you have to. It has to be guttural. It has to be exactly. truly like your 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 obsession. Exactly. Because that you can't replicate. You can't replicate that. Yeah. And that was the source that was always missing in the industry when in the fight for inclusivity and diversity, when beauty brands even got to the point where they were like, oh, how do we be diverse? That was the source that we're missing. Yeah. A person that cared enough or a group of people who cared enough um, because that's why they're not connecting. You know, they're making all the shades for darker skin and people are not buying it because they're going like, you're just trying to get my money. Right, you know, right, they don't right. believe it. But what people get to see when they come into the armor world and the armor beauty world, they get to not only discover this amazing brand where they can have fun, they can be themselves, they discover a person in this brand who, you know, they can feel it that I genuinely care. Yeah. And I am not this abstract person. I'm not a celebrity. I'm a real person. And not saying celebrities are not real, no. but it's like... I, I get what you're saying. It comes, yes. It's like you're just you're like one of the people who truly like would that you you kind of relate to the brand because you are the brand. Exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? Like you exactly. are one of the people who would use the brand. Exactly. And I have a lot of like you know there are different reasons why people come to our tribe with women of color in particular that I meet on the street and this has been really weird for me. You know like 
you know, I've come from just, I just wanted to get a brand out there. And then now I go to places and, you know, especially a room with people of color and they're like, oh my God, you're showering. But the comments that keeps coming through is I'm happy you are where you are because that's inspired me to do this or that. Mm-hmm. I'm on text with so many young women of color who are entrepreneurs now who just, you know, I got a text from a girl this morning going like, I just went to my first VC meeting. They said no, but I'm so excited because it's making me want to go harder. Right. And I said to her, that's the spirit girl, you know? So just even building this tribe where, you're relatable. You're going through the same issues. You're inspiring them that you can be more. You don't have to, you know, every, I'm the only woman of color who has a prestige brand and is not a celebrity operating like in that prestige beauty. So, wow. Every other woman of color, mass. And that's what advice everyone wow. gave me too. Why are you pricing your product prestige? It's a little bit off, isn't it? I'm like, say the words. Just tell me to my face that, ah, any one of your target market people of color, they haven't got money. You know, like, just say it. Yeah, like, exactly. say it out loud. Oh, that's that's <laughs> amazing. You know? And like, and that's what you think they're thinking, and yet they won't say it, so they'll give you all these other nonsense reasons behind oh, okay. it. And even some investors are like, I think there's a bit of a mismatch between your demographics and the position of your brand. Okay, bye, boo. I don't need your money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, you're awesome. So, so basically, did you get the $2.5 million well, I from- got more. I ended up raising... Three, almost three point seven, and turning down about seven million dollars. No, yeah. So what? Okay. So why did you turn it down? Yes. Who, who, first of all, who gave you that three point seven? Well, the, okay. What my lead investor, I like keeping like a little bit hush, but so I've got one strategic VC in there, okay. and then the rest are like family offices. Like who? I would advise anybody take money from family offices please. to get to take money. Take yes. money from family offices. It tell, tell, explain. Tell, say, tell people why. Yes. And explain what a family office is. Yes. So, so people don't know some of what a family yes, so office family, is. So in terms of the world of uh, venture, I mean, you can like back yourself. You can get money from private equity, which is completely different to venture capital, right. or traditional venture funds. But tell people what a family office is. A family office is um, pretty much, oh, so let's assume you're a billionaire right. like Jeff Bezos. So he has a ton of money. What he does is he employs a group of people to manage his investments for him and decides what he invests in because he can't make those calls himself. So sometimes family offices is for one person or multiple people, right. but it's just where wealthy people sort of pull their money together and... It's like a one-person private equity company. Exactly, yeah. and they decide where they're going to put it or not. Now, the good thing about family offices, they don't have the same requirements. You know, when it's like a venture fund, all the people who put money in that fund, they actually even write like a charter in terms of mm-hmm. it must be this you must have certain exits. So even like the company, they want to know that you're going to sell at a certain point in time. So they have these really strict rules. You know, they want to take a seat in your board. They want you to do this and they want you to say, there's a lot of I wants in there. And you can lose a lot of control of your business that way. And aggressive people as yeah. well, because their also obligation is to make not just one person happy, a whole lot of people right. happy. Because a private, I mean, it's a lot of people's money pooled together, pooled together exactly. versus a one person who's just looking for really good investments a lot really of good times. Investment. And, and it's more lenient with the, with the they rules super and lenient, And they usually have, what I find with a lot of family offices, they usually just have things they focus on. Yeah. And usually because this is, run, this is people who are very wealthy, their money, yeah. they sort of go like, even for social causes, they're like, I just want to fund women of color, for instance. Right. or right. What, And they're not as you know, like on your neck about like, because they don't need the money. Not like, but and I also, know, I was trying not to say you know what I mean? that, but they don't, they're more doing it because they need to put a, pl- they, they need to find a place yes. to, fa- to for their money. Cause there's no exactly. possible place to put all that money. Exactly. And so they find causes that usually are close to them that they care exactly. about. Exactly. And they usually have a source that is just feeding their, their, their yeah. wealth. 
And so all of this is just like diversifying and spreading out there. You may invest in a company that ends up blowing up and right. it increases your wealth. You may not. So it's very manageable. They usually break their money up so that they're not giving one person $10 million. So that's where right. at a different stage of your businesses, the family offices fall out because they cannot cope with the size. You know, if you were doing what Huda Beauty did, where she got $200 million put into her business Who's by that? TSG, Huda Beauty. Huda Beauty? Yes. So oh, she's an influencer, right? She's an influencer, created a beauty brand. Right. TSG came in, I think, two years ago, valued the company at a billion dollars and gave her $200 million cash to buy some equity, up, some stake of her. Those kind of deals, family offices can't do that. Yeah, right, that right. is like pure VC, pure private equity kind of. And usually even at that point, most private equity fall through, right. um, except solid P's like um, El Cataton, which is like the Louis Vuitton arm and a few of the other ones. So sorry for the jargons, but... No, no, no. I, think yeah. it's, I think it's super important and relevant because yes. I think that at different levels of your funding, yes. other, certain people uh, suit a different place. A different people. And yeah. that's why when you're super early stage, you're so much better off your family offices. Right. Because... But first the fools, family and friends that you call. Exactly. And then maybe family offices. And then family offices because what you want to make sure is that people, somebody gave me advice once going like, when you're looking for money, take money from the person who doesn't care if they lose that money. Absolutely. Because it's not because you don't want to care about that money. It just allows you the ability to learn, which you have to do in a business. When you birth a business, it's out there. It's like a baby. Mm-hmm. You're learning it. It's learning you. You got to figure right. things out. And the worst thing you want to have on top of that is this pressure coming down on you going, oh, well, you know, um, my monthly reports needs to read this. This is the level of traction I need to see. Oh, last month you didn't grow by 50%. And now we have to have an emergency meeting. Yeah. You don't need to see that. You have to be patient. Hold your nerve. Like sometimes it takes time for true traction to kick in. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it happens immediately. For some people, it's only year four that they finally blow up and it just becomes beautiful. So you need people who are ride or die with you. And, you know, you, you might make a mistake or two, but they go, you know what? Okay, I'm going to throw you a bone and give you an extra 500K. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> nice I like you. Yeah, yeah that's the full part of yeah. the whole situation. Exactly. Because like, I like you. Yeah. How did you find these family offices? Yes. So I literally had an angel. So when I started my journey trying to raise money, right? Like I said, I was more focused on products and all the other sides of right. the business. And I went to the big funds that I sort of knew mm-hmm. because, you know, you come from big companies so you know, like all these big funds, funds, right? Yeah, that makes sense. What they don't tell you is we don't do early stage. Like your business is not attractive to them. But then they were so fascinated about the idea. So they keep talking. Now I've learned venture world. And honestly, when I talk to investors, I'm like, can you close the deal in three weeks? No, bye. You know, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They are professionals are wasting your time. They, they, they will keep you and they will string on because they assume you know. They assume you know that we don't invest in this kind of area, but the truth is you don't know. So I have a lot of those kind of conversations for months, right? Mm-hmm. And then got to about December only to find out that, yeah, no, 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 it's, it's not going to happen. And everybody's gone December. No, nobody, you can't raise money in December. Right, the lights are turned off. Exactly. Right? And then I met this incredible lady. I got introduced um, by one of the funds that said, no, too early. We want to come in later. And one of the things, and I want to advise everybody to do if you don't do this, even when a person tells you no, just ask them, can you introduce me to somebody who's more in my, you know. Real house. Exactly, at my stage. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of times they say no because it's not the right time. It doesn't necessarily believe they don't, they don't believe in your vision. Um, and so that was it. And so she introduced me to this lady who was, and that's why I even moved to California. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, because I was raising money in New York. New York is a big business kind of like space. And then I met her. She was in California. She said to me, oh, darling, you've been fishing in the wrong pond. Let me show you. That was literally, right. yeah, let me you show you. They had like a guardian angel. Exactly. And yeah. she introduced me to all these early stage uh, uh, funds, 
all these early stage private investors who are just investing their cash. And oh my God, I did my first raise in 72 hours. I had gone months without nothing. That's what I call fishing in the wrong pond. Maybe I was in the right pond. In wow. 72 hours, I had money in my account. Like, How much was... did you raise in that 72 so hours? So in the 72 hours, I did like a flash sale. That's what I called it. Yeah. Raised 500K. And then two weeks later was when I closed on all the other deals. And I was at the point now I was turning out money. I turned out money to the tune of 7 million. Like literally it was like I'm oversubscribed. So I ended up taking way more than I wanted to take. Um, but you know, it ended up being a good thing because it gives you a buffer. It, buffer. it means you're not strapped for cash. It also meant we could launch bigger. You know, when we launched, we went out with a bang because we had more money to like right. play with marketing, play with like having a big launch event, inviting all the people who were tastemakers in our space right. to at least come witness it. And that was how the brands have exploded because we had this one moment where all these tastemakers, all these cultural influencers were in the one room and they saw the birth of this and they were like, we love this, you know. Yeah. I had people like Khalees at this party, right? And it was just incredible, right? They just turned up to support an unknown woman that they didn't really know much about. Right, and it's amazing. at this event, you could just see people connect and post that, the rest was history. People were just like talking about this. We went viral on Instagram, on Twitter. Really? Who is this brand? Where did they come from? They just appeared from nowhere overnight. Our foundations just started flying off the shelves. Like it became the Instagram famous foundation. Like it was just crazy. Um, so you're really known. Is if would you say it's like yes. the the foundation is your core? It's, yeah, the foundation product. is like our claim to fame claim because to fame. it was the thing that we did that no brand had ever done before. Right. Um, and then you know if you talk to people around. Us, you have words like like inclusivity. I feel at home. This is real as the top comment. Yeah. Foundation is number two, um, and then our eyeshadow palettes are so popular. And this was actually an interesting thing. I developed three palettes. Um, send them out, you know, like for people's feedback. Um, and when I create products, I always say I tell stories. You know, we yeah. say we're an Afropolitan brand. One of the ideas that I brought into beauty that was new was the fact that you can be yourself whilst being a part of the globe. It's why I identify my brand as an Afropolitan brand because my roots, I'm Afro. Right. So I love Would telling people my story. Afropolitan brand. Afropolitan, because when you use the word African, people think about a geographical location, right? They yeah. just think, yeah, yeah. they think you're talking about Wakanda, right? <laughs> and you can't help it. Like you just cannot help that. So we had to send this idea. The word Afropolitan is a fusion between Afro and cosmopolitan because even our yeah. history as a people, you know, like the, the people from Africa, through colonization, through slavery, through a lot, we got split up around the world. Right. And so there's this idea, and for me, that I've always proposed, just the fact that you're African-American, right. right? It doesn't make you less African because yeah. that's who you are, just because you're Afro-British. So it's this term that really unites all of Africa and her diaspora and celebrates the culture, not just as it was, but as is, because a lot of our culture has been mixed, right. um, which is a beautiful thing. The fact that I love about people from Afro origin, wherever we go, no matter the conditions, no matter what's going on, we still manage to mix and remix and create something new. Right. Um, you know, you know, I always talk about it, you know, you, you have the slaves who came here and even in incredibly horrible positions, they were sitting there picking cotton and they created soul music. Um, from picking yeah, cotton, from you know, cotton. Wow. because there's that part of you that's Afro that's so deep in rhythm that just doesn't go away, yeah. regardless of the location. And look at the evolution of that, that turned into jazz. James Brown coming in, turning jazz into funk, you know, Jam Master J, you know, and all of them uh, and Run DMC turning funk into hip hop, which is now the biggest genre of music in the world. In the world, yeah. Not rock and roll, right? And so this was a banner for which 
we were, it allowed me to be proud of my heritage. And I hope that as, just by me doing that, other people who come into this tribe feel that they have the right to be proud of who they are and they don't have to change it. It's the reason why Oma's name is Oma because that's my language. Um, yeah. And oh, the whole is, world. Is that what it means? It means beautiful. I was going to ask you, what does it mean and where Oma does it come from? Oma means beautiful. It's uh, from the Igbo language, which is my mom's tribe in Nigeria. We've got 153 tribes and languages. We've 150 tribes. There's a lot. So I tell people, wow. when people try and guess, I'm like, don't worry, it's, it's a lot. Um, and oh. so, you know, and it was very important to me through this brand. I'm like, I can't be telling people, be yourself, you know, you know, be authentic. Whereas we're trying to be a generic brand. We're not a generic brand. We're very, very Afropolitan brand. So when you come in there, you see these colors, these stories, this fun. We sell an Afropolitan fantasy right. the same way Dolce Gabbana sells an Italian fantasy. So then how are you, I mean, yes. amazing story. How are you, um, Building a community besides yes. having a great message and yes. having a really good, like really solid philosophy yes. behind you and having people who, who talk about it all the time. Yes. I'm just stopping for a second. So. But Sorry. who, how else are you building it? Are you finding yes. tribesmen? Are you finding people like, to, like, are you finding influencers? Are you doing what everyone else seems to be doing to kind of build your tribe otherwise? Yeah. So I think we're doing that in two ways, you know, yeah. I mean, influencers are very, very necessary. And right. what we do is we align with influencers who believe in what we believe in, right? Whilst accepting every influencer who comes into our tribe. But usually the influencers you see us do partnerships with are very, very targeted because they're people, you know, when we came out, we partnered with people like Jackie Orna, but Jackie has always been, she who? built Jackie Orna in beauty. Shows you how much I know about the beauty world. Oh, there you go. Though. She yeah. built an entire, and her platform, by screaming about inclusivity and the lack of. Right. So, we've so you're finding people who, we find who are authentic. Even the models I work with, everybody knows me. You don't get, I don't work with you if I don't know you. Right. Like people, Halima, who was our face, I met Halima ages before our campaign. We talked, we spoke, we vibe. Like, I want to make sure that you're not faking. Everybody fakes anything for the gram. So right. my focus is not on following. For the gram. They fake, oh, everyone, they be stunting for the gram. Like, I'm like, thank you. That's so funny. It's so I'm, true. I don't focus on following. I don't focus on how many followers have you got or whatever. It's about who are you? And are you a person that I believe should be a role model? Um, because when we're paying you to do something, I find that I feel like we're elevating to almost be part of the leadership of this tribe, right? right. Um, that's who my influencers are. They like helping us recruit more people who are similar. So we have to make sure that we're very deliberate. We're not just selling out that, oh, 20 million followers. You know, there is money and there's money to be made. But why this is going to be a long-term business is we're bringing people who believe in what we believe yeah. in. So you know what? Even if I launch a mascara and it's a dud, I can survive it. Yeah. Because they're not just here for the mascara. They're here and they're part of this journey. So we do that um, through the influencers we partner with. Most things that happen with us are organic. Most times people post about us, do videos, celebrities wear our products, they're usually organic. Like they are things that happen, they make up artists, we're makeup artists' favorites. Um, I remember at my launch event, Sir John running in really late, right? Really late in the game. That was the first time I met him. And he was like, girl, I am so proud of you. I've been hearing about you. I wasn't going to come today. I was sitting at home and somebody was texting me saying, you must come. And I ran out. And really? he was like, anything you want from me, you let me know. And I will like, I would never charge you for work. 
I would like whatever you need, right? And he's been truly, he just did Fashion Week for us, right? Um, our first outing to New York Fashion Week was a blast. You know, Sir John, Halima, all the tribe were there and he was so amazing. Wow. And that's what's organic about our tribe, that everybody who comes in is emotionally invested. Yeah. It's not just another paycheck. If they want a paycheck, they go to the big brands and grab the paycheck. Right, right, right. We like where people genuinely want to be. And I think that's what's powerful. And that's also powerful when we recruit um, our, our tribe members, um, that they're there because they have connected to us through somebody who's authentic as well. So they're authentic. So right. it's a really like, I understand that. Yeah. It kind of, it's kind of like, it's also coming from the, t it trickles down from the top, right? Exactly. So if you're that way, everything fall, falls underneath. When you're exactly. Under, uh, exactly. Under you. Because if you like a lot of the bigger brands, what they do, they just recruit anybody. If you got cash, you're going to come in, right? Yeah. yeah. What we say is if you don't believe in our purpose, why are you here? Right. You know, but then it just means that the people who are here. So if you look at the business of it, our average transaction value is high, very high, because even though we're talking to less people, they buy a lot from us. And what happens to people, they come to us and because they're there, a lot of them just to support. Right. Right. right I right. love this brand. I believe in the founder. I love what they're doing. So they come in and go, like, I'm just going to buy lipstick. I'm going to buy foundation. And then they try the product and they go, oh my holy, like this is crazy. And they come back and they buy three, four, five. I'm having people buy our lipsticks in almost every shade and collecting them. Um, wow. It's crazy. And where, yeah. okay, where do I buy them? Besides yes. Ulta, you said. So you can buy them on Ulta. You can buy it on our.com. So we, okay. we have a beautiful website where people can come and shop okay. and get an authentic brand experience. I want to get a foundation now that you've talked about oh, how great you these Now I feel are. like we have to do a whole session of me shade matching uh, you. Please do. <laughs> but by the way, I, I'm like, I, I don't know how to put any makeup. I'm like, uh, it's okay. embarrassing at this point. Like I'm an adult <laughs> and my four-year-old puts on makeup way better than I do. They, but you know what? That's why your makeup shouldn't be like, even with us, everything that we do my eyeshadows are built for you to use them with your fingers because you know what we are we're women who've got things to do well look at you though you put i mean your yeah. your, your cheekbones are so accentuated oh thank you you look like a, you look like a supermodel from like oh, on the stop. cover of now Vogue. my head's gonna go big no no okay. it should it should Leo, you hear this your yeah. mama's a supermodel <laughs> you're so cute i'm a short supermodel no, i listen, love it listen no one knows you're on a you're on a woodway treadmill here you look, you, exactly. you look like you're six feet tall i know right it adds a foot and a half over i haven't here. even got my heels on today i should have like done this treadmill like you know like well, done a mariah Car carry style i mean you kind of are i mean you're, what are those what shoes are those are um, those gucci yeah, yeah they're like the i'm obsessed with espadrilles so i'm either in like crazy high heel shoes or i'm in espadrilles i don't have an in-between wow we well, you have great great like really good style awesome that's true uh, no i'm not just like now you're making me quick your walk on your treadmill yeah. now <laughs> um, i have one, one question for you yes. and then like you're you're free to get out of here um we know you got the hustle that's for sure what are some of your habits that you yes. do daily and what yes. do you like what kind of stuff do you look after in the company now and yes well i'm a ceo i'm creative director i wear a lot of hats around here course, and i look after to. two countries that are on opposite time zones well, so i don't do a lot of sleeping at the moment but it's fine and okay. we will sleep at some stage in life that's okay that's um, fine because you know i talk about that especially when you hear people talk so much about oh self-care whatever and i tell people like my brand is five months old and I'm sitting here zenning out. I'm like, there are stages in life. At some point, you actually have the privilege to look after yourself. I was, you know, I always say that. I say that you can do yes. you can do everything, but you can't do everything at once. Exactly, not at right? all. Right. And now you're 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 in the building mode. Exactly. And like, you have to like you got to be very very. Nobody's gonna want to do what you do. You know. I've taken a lot of people's money. Then you know, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to take people's children's you know college fund and then blow it because right. I was doing yoga kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so it puts a lot 
lot of pressure on you. So, so what do you do? What kind of yes. what you wake up? What time do you wake up in the morning? So I usually wake up one a.m. because I have to do UK and Italy. Um, Eleven. Um, so you sleep for two hours. Yeah, but I've also done that for the longest time. But here is how I recover. Um, I sleep. My body sort of tells me what it wants to do. That's the interesting thing about me and my body. We have a great relationship. <laughs> so he goes, okay, I'm gonna do this two hours, and I wake up. My head is completely clear. I'm not tired. I'm not groggy, as you can see. Like I've been awake I- since one a.m. and I'm here at four, almost five o'clock. Like still bouncing. I'll be bouncing till eleven. And you were early, and you have a ton of energy. Right. Like, and you're like, you're so on I'm an, point. I'm an energizer bunny. I'm yeah. like, that's, that's why I don't amazing. drink coffee. Um, and then, okay. or energy drinks. And then. Except Celsius <laughs> once in a while. Except, <laughs> oh, yes, of course, except Celsius. Yeah, right. Um, and then on the flip side, I'm going to have like a Saturday where I sleep like a vampire. Like oh, I so sleep, sleep like all day. day. Oh, when I mean all day, I mean like full on all day. Like oh. my eyes will sort of open slightly and then it closes right back. Um, so, but the things I do every single day that is sort of my like point in time, right. my self-care moment is actually my makeup moment. I do not play with my skincare routine and my makeup routine. What do you, what do you wash your face with? Well, what do you do? so I actually am a huge fan of the tools um, for washing the face. Yeah, okay. I use super mild products. I'm all about super mild products. I'm crazy about hydration. Okay. I've got hyperpigmentation, so retinoids are my friend, and I've got acne-prone skin. Retinol is not your friend. It is my oh, friend. Oh, it is yeah. your friend. Okay. Mm-hmm. As long as anybody can put up with the ugly face where you have six weeks of your face peeling off, then you're fine. Right. Um, and know. after that, you you come out the other side really sweet. You can help me offline about this stuff. Oh yeah, no, yeah. no, I'm, I'm your girl. Yeah. Um, and then my makeup. I take about 30 minutes every day, I apply my makeup. And for me- That's your meditation. This is my time. I'm staring back at myself in a mirror for 30 minutes. The good thing with makeup is a thing where you kind of multitask because it's your hands that are working, right? Mm-hmm. So it forces you to be about you. And that's usually where I'm talking to myself. Like my shower is therapy. I'm talking to myself, I'm processing my day, I'm doing my makeup, I'm looking at myself. And I always tell people, what do you say to yourself in that moment? Are you saying, oh, look at my double chin? Look at, oh no, I have, I have a whole dance party. I have my speaker, I am like, like yeah, you go, girl. Like I'm a, I'm a hot mess in the morning. Like it's crazy to witness. I'm like dancing. Like sometimes I'll put on YouTube because Nigerians we always have like unique dance moves for different tracks. Yeah, yeah. And I start learning it right there, doing my makeup, and like you know, hey, and that like it's crazy. So my family know that when Sharon's getting ready. Everybody's like, oh my God, close the doors. It's one of these. We're going to have a dance party this morning. But so that's, your, that's, your, that's your form of meditation. That's my grounding moment. Yeah, and then great. I leave home, I'm in a good mood. So I can like, I'm not leaving the house. And if I don't do that, it just feels like I've missed something. So even if I'm in a hotel room, I travel with a small JBL speaker. I'm vibing. Whenever I'm not working or doing something, I have music in my ear. So music is my therapy. Um, is how I get lost. And then Leo, of course, is my other grounding moment, making sure that um, t- he makes me stop during the day to go, are you okay? Have you eaten? Women, we're not good at looking after ourselves, but we're right. good at looking after other people. So you nurture your dog. Exactly. And through that love and that kind of like, give we kids, give each other. No. no, this is my baby. Yeah, I, um, I figured Leo was your baby. It's my baby. Yeah. And then whether he's in my handbag or wherever, he really grounds me. I travel with him everywhere. I go with him everywhere. So he's always my... Apparently, he's on the treadmill with you He's right on now. my treadmill right now. He's on almost every interview that I do. So he's like my comeback and this is normal. But I think for me, those are the things. And of course, I'm like, I'm a gym junkie. Um, so, you are? Mm-hmm. So you work um, out every day? Five days a week. Okay. Um, and that's also a moment for me. So I don't do crazy. I'm not going to do a two-hour session. 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, I I'm do, telling you, 45 is plenty. 45, and I love high-intensity training yeah. because otherwise I fall asleep. 
Yeah. Um, I do yoga once in a while, but I've been known to fall asleep in a yoga class. Mm-hmm. So I only do vinyasa or power you yoga. Those, oh yeah. my God. Like I did literally, there was, um, the, when you do only three moves in the entire one hour class, mm-hmm. I was not only sleeping, I was snoring. Oh yeah. Believe me, you're, you're preaching to the converted over my here. My sister had to keep going like, psst, and I'm like, it's not really up. Exactly. Yeah. So that's for me. That's my, so my daily habits is just like, you know, music keeps me sane. Makeup. Um, makeup um, allows me to talk to myself and tell myself that I'm worthy. I'm enough and I'm good and I don't need the makeup I'm applying. Um, and I love the As creativity. <laughs> exactly. And I love the creativity. It's like, I turn up today and I'm like, I'm going to do color. And sometimes I do a look and I'm like, oh, it's a look. Okay, here, girl. Um, so people know me once in a while in my stories. I will like do a look and I have to like go to my stories and go like, mm. I'm going to follow you now and like watch uh, yeah, you do all yeah. this stuff. No, I'm, I'm a little bit, I, you know, my sister always says, you should share more on social media. You're quite entertaining. I'm like, no, nah, I keep it condensed to the people you, around me. You are super entertaining, <laughs> honestly. Wait, how do I find, how do people find you and your company? Yes, and- you know, follow us on Instagram. I'm a beauty. Okay. It's our name, U-O-M-A, beauty. Um, and then I'm, hey, Sharon C, you know, drop me a line, drop me a DM. I try to respond as much as I can. Um, anybody who's feeling insecure or anything, just drop me a line. And I'm usually on the other side to go like, oh, you got this girl or you got this guy. So so anytime, find us, hey, Sharon C, or UOMA Beauty, I'm a beauty. You can get us there or on our website as well. Well, you've been beyond a delight. I mean, Thank you. you like super this entertaining. This is the first time I've ever done an interview on a treadmill. Well, so I'm like, yay. There's a first time for everything. I'm telling you, next time we got to get music in here. We have to have a dance session on this treadmill. We would, but how would you hear? No, okay, no, we have to have a separate segment. Okay, so afterwards. We exactly. Can okay. So we do the chat and then we're like, oh, twerking time. Twerk it, twerk it, twerk okay, it, twerk let's it. Do there it. You go. Let's do it. <laughs> I would have you, I would like to do that. I'd have you back any day of the week because you oh. are so entertaining. Put, Thank you. You're welcome. Press the white button. Tell me how many calories you burn while you're in this interview. Okay, which one? The pacemates calories? Yeah. Uh, 112 calories. Good. So it's 112. Oh for doing, basically, as you're just chatting, chatting right? That's really good. Right? Rather than just sitting down and just staring at each other. I, I figured, should get a treadmill in my office and just be doing my emails literally on a treadmill 100%. This is why I thought, so like, I mean, instead of just sitting around. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Bye, guys. Go we'll follow Sharon. She's awesome. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for, guys. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. Me. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously. 
which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.